and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 5. How many of you enjoyed this series, Sermon on the Mount? If you don't, just fake it. (laughs) That was my wife. Matthew 5, I want to give you a moment to get there. Because what I want to do today is I want to walk us through the scriptures. Is that okay? Yeah. I have been feeling this thing as, as the pastor, me and my wife of this church, that it is becoming more and more important for us to walk us through the scriptures. To be able to find, listen, how many of you know that, that life is found, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. His words, they are life to us. And so here's, here's what can happen, and, and I believe is dangerous. I believe we can make all of what's shared from this pulpit about a feeling, about an ideology, and bringing you into an experience. But what we really need is to walk through the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to blow on it. Allow, Allow the scriptures to come alive in our hearts and it become food for us. The same way you're going to get hungry in a few minutes, some of you probably already are, and you're going to leave this place and you're going to eat food. What I'm praying and believing is that this right here would become food for you. That, that like in the morning when you wake up, you feel hungry for this. At night as you're going to sleep, instead of scrolling on your phone or whatever you do, that you would be hungry, that you would find yourself longing for this book. And so the Lord told us, I don't even, I think it's been six weeks, to, to just walk us through the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus stood up on the side of a hill and he began to share what I believe was one of the greatest sermons of all time. I believe it was the most, what Jesus did in this moment is he set parameters for what the kingdom would look like. And so even last week as Tala was sharing, didn't you just feel like he, he beautifully brought us into his experience and he shared such truth that I literally felt things just coming off of people. Like not, it's not even, we got to move past the whole sin, right? We got to stop categorizing sin, non-sin. It's just like layers like an onion that peel off of us as truth is being shared. And so last week, as he shared with us about the truth of of us not striving, but receiving life through Jesus was just powerful. And I believe that as as we walk through today, I believe it's a continuation of that. That layers of us, the hardness of heart, the apathy, the complacency, all of the things that, that we battle in the Western American church, that it would continue to die and be peeled off of us. That we would not continue to look at, at, at our lives. How can we conform? The Bible is very clear. We are not to conform to the world. Right. And so if we are not to con- conform to the world, then why do we all look so alike? Like why are we fighting to be similar? And why are we not celebrating the beautiful expression of every believer? Yeah, why are we not encouraging them in the Lord to say, hey, find your journey with the Lord. Not everyone's going to wave flags. Not everyone's going to carry a staff. You might. But what I'm saying is you need to be okay on your journey. And so sometimes we read the Bible, and I think this happens to us a lot. We read the Bible, and we think like, let me give you an example. When we we see the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, it would be easy for us to picture Jesus communicating this message to a certain elect people. Meaning Jesus must have gathered the most elect, the most, the most gifted, the most talented people, and this is who he gave his kingdom parameters to, but it's just not true. Jesus stood on the side of a hill and the people who he's communicating into this day are just normal people who were hungry. Some of them newly saved, some of them trying to figure out what their life is going to look like. And Jesus stands up and he says, the kingdom of heaven looks like this. And then he gives us the Beatitudes, which we've been saying over and over. We, we see the Beatitudes as the eight attitudes of heart. 
These are things that they should be fruit in our lives. So he goes on, and I just want to hit these real quick. God blesses, blessed are those. Another translation would be happy are those. You understand? To be blessed is to be happy. Some of you are searching for happiness. He's giving us keys to happiness right here. It may not be the keys that America has given you. It may not be the keys that you were taught by your mentor, but right here are found keys to happiness. So he says this, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. Your ability to be spiritually bankrupted and realize I have to be totally dependent on God, it brings happiness. Not totally dependent on God when you're going to minister. Not totally dependent on God when you're going to give a prophetic word, but totally dependent on God for every step of your journey. For how you parent your kids, for how you handle your finances, for how you love your wife and your husband. For every step of the journey, we are dependent on Him. Then he said, blessed are those who who mourn, for they will be comforted. I heard Corey Russell talking about this. I thought it was so good. He said, being mournful is not just mourning when something terrible happens to you. It's the ability to feel the gravity and the weight of what you were. Do you remember what you were? Like pre-GBC, do you remember? Like this is, this is the issue we have in the church today. That we have taught people, come sit in a chair, and then when I say words, you repeat them. And we separate ourselves from the emotion. And we don't fully connect with what Jesus really did. So like in Isaiah 6, he goes into a vision and he sees the Lord. And what does he say? Woe is me. He immediately feels the gravity of I'm not worthy of this moment. The gravity of I'm not good. I have struggles. But what does the Lord do? He takes a coal from the altar and he cleanses him. That's what Tyler talked about last week. He cleanses us, but we want to bypass the feeling for the cleansing. And I want to submit to you today that it is important for us to feel the weight of what Jesus did on the cross. Let it lead us into travail. Let it lead us into deep. The Bible talks about travail and deep groanings. Without you realizing what you were saved from, I don't believe you can fully understand what you're saved unto. It was this blessed are those who mourn. They feel the weight of what was done for them. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit. We've been talking about this, going low, being meek, preferring other people. Our inheritance, what is it? The whole earth. Isn't that what we're contending for? Like when when Kathy said that it resonated, I'm not just believing for 33547. I'm believing that the whole earth would be shifted by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's giving us keys that we would start to think bigger. That we would start to expand our territory. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. Come on. That they would hunger and thirst for righteousness. That that would be the barometer. Not that, well, here we go. Another Sunday morning, 1030. Here we go. Are they really going to sing for an hour? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. (laughs) Every time. Why? Because we're hungry and we're thirsty. Because I spent all week in the world and it has nothing to offer me. It does not satisfy. It cannot give me bread. I'm thirsty. And he said to me, I am living water. And so if it takes 45 minutes to feel the flow of the spirit, then I'll go an hour and 15 minutes to fully submerge myself. Because I'm thirsty for him. We're hungry. It's a posture of heart. Blessed are the merciful. We're going to talk about this a little bit today. For they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pastor talked about this last week. That your heart would become purified through the Holy Spirit. Through Romans 6. He did it all. Romans 6, 7, and 8. He did the work. He purifies you. Then he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Whew, I feel the Lord on that. 
Hold on. Blessed are those who work for peace, for they will be called what? Children of God, sons of God. In order for you to become a peacemaker, it means you must insert yourself into chaos. It means that we have to look for divine opportunities through the Holy Spirit to say, I see, this can be in family, this can be, this can be at your job, that you would insert yourself into the situation knowing you have a promise that when you open your mouth full of the Holy Spirit, He will give you the words to say. And through the words of the Lord that He would establish you and He would bring peace to every situation. Did not Jesus go in the midst of a storm and speak peace to it and it ceased? This was a prototype for what we're supposed to look like as Christians. That we would be full of Holy Spirit, that we would be submerged in Him, and when we step into situations, He would be released. Now, the scary thing about Christianity today is we want to step into situations, and the only thing that is released is us. We have nothing to give to the world unless we have Him. And then He said, blessed are the persecuted. I'm actually going to spend a week talking about this, because I don't think y'all are ready for this today yet. But blessed are the persecuted, and He has a lot of great promises there, but I believe that you know, it, it's interesting. Can I just say this? Thank you, guys. You don't even know what I'm going to say. There's a lot of talk right now in our, in our, in our, in our Christian circles about having to, to do this or do that or vote this way, vote that way, vote this way, vote that way, because we're scared of persecution. But I just want to say to you and assure you, no matter what you think is going to happen is irrelevant. I've never seen the church persecuted and not move forward. Me and Pastor Tyler were talking the other day, and we were like, honestly, it might be a little, it might be great, it might be a little good. Yeah. It might be a little good for the church to feel the weight of, not, not like, hey, they slandered me on Facebook. That's not persecution. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, they slandered me, like, just pluck them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, there's something, so like, the fastest growing church in the world right now is like in Iran. Where there's immense persecution, and I just want to give you a newsflash, it's led mostly by women. So I believe that as we move forward, we have to shift our perspective from God. Just just preserve us, Lord, to saying, God, I'm, I'm going to walk with you through any situation. The more the persecution, the more the power of the Holy Spirit operating through us. And so Jesus, he gives us his Beatitudes, and he says, you are the salt and the light of the world. Meaning everywhere you go, you are supposed to influence and impact where you are at. And what I really want to hone in today is in in Matthew 6. Are you with me? I'm going to walk us through this, and I I hope you can catch this today. I've I've literally, I have been feeling this. I've been chewing this all week and feeling like, Lord, if we can get this, because we have to become a people who we pray. I was so moved by that this week when I read that Psalms 109, David is talking about being persecuted, slandered by people. And he says, even though they slander me, I have become prayer. Like his life was so consumed by the spirit of prayer, like a literal translation of that. It says, I have prayed, I have this. But a translation from the Greek and the Hebrew says this, I have become prayer. And I believe it's most needed for the church today. I don't want, I don't, listen, I don't want to hear about your philosophy unless it's bathed in prayer. Don't care about your word if you haven't found it in the furnace of prayer. I want it to be refined. I I, I want the real thing. So in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking. And he says this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. This is such a good principle, man. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. 
When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in synagogues and streets to call attention. Listen to this. I tell you the truth. They have already received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private so that your father sees everything and will reward you. It's, it, it's, here's the principle. The more you want people to see you, it's as if the less you are seen by God. And I think this is a really strong word for us today in a world that's all about Instagram. You can't even eat a meal without posting on Instagram. Like you don't need a stalk. You don't need to be good to be a stalker. Just go on social media. What am I saying? In a world where everybody wants to be seen, Jesus is saying, I want you to be nameless and faceless. I want you to be hidden. Don't let, it, don't let all your deeds be seen because that will be your reward. And listen, I want to say to you, the applause of man is not a great reward. It feels good in the moment, the praise of man, but we, we live for an audience of one. We live for one moment. One moment. Revelation 22, 4 says, and they will see God. This is the promise for the end. For those who persevere, they will see God and he will write the, his name on their foreheads. Yeah. Oh, that's all I want. I was listening to that this week. A, a pastor say that and I literally felt like burning inside of me. Yes. What are we living for? I'm not living to build a church. I'm not living. This isn't about you. This is about being faithful to the assignment given to me by the Lord. This is how we should all live our lives. Don't let anybody put pressure on you to live out of your anointing. This means you hide yourself in the secret place and you say, God, why have you put me on this earth? Well, like, what if he doesn't speak? He will speak. I'm going I'm to show you in a second. He promises he will speak. We just don't, we don't stop and we don't quiet ourselves long enough to hear him. And so, and so he's saying, don't focus on being seen. Stay hidden because in the hidden place, I can bless you. Are you with me? Then he says, when you pray and he enters into teaching about prayer. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners. I tell you, he says it again, this is the only reward they will get. Meaning, if you pray to be heard, what you're praying for will not be answered. Your reward is them hearing you and thinking you're very spiritual. I know it's hard. I know. It's, It's the Bible. But when you pray, this is what he says, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then, say then. Then your father who sees everything, he will reward you. I want to say to you today that what's going to be required more and more, if you want to be used by God, if you don't, then you can just come every Sunday and just sit. It'll be fine. But if you really long to be used by God, it's going to require you secluding. You see Jesus do it. He secluded himself from the crowd. He pulled away. But I also want to say this. I believe in a room this size through worship, we still have the ability to close the door of our heart and say, Jesus, I'm only here for you. Like right now, right here, I can like, I don't even see you right now. It's not because my eyes are closed. (laughs) But we have to learn this. Because the truth is we can get caught up. We can get caught up in a moment and think it's God and it's really just emotionalism. I know in charismatic, we don't talk about this in charismatic churches, but it's true. We can mistake God for emotion. And what we need is we need to close the door of our heart and say, Jesus, I'm distracted. And in this moment, I'm not here to get caught up in the hype of a room. I'm here to connect with you. I'm here to minister unto you. It's possible. I'm telling you. 
We just haven't been taught that it's available for us. We, we go through three songs in 21 minutes and then we say, well, there, there's worship. That's not worship. Worship only happens when he comes. Well, well, bro, bro, we need balance. What does that even mean? The only reason, listen, balance only occurs when there's things of equal weight. I, I don't even understand. I don't understand the question. Well, what about balance? What about it? There is nothing in my life that holds equal value to Jesus. There's just nothing. In order for me to balance on a scale, there has to be things of equal weight. And I love my family and I love ministry, and I love, but it just doesn't balance. It just, it always tips towards Jesus because he gives life. So as we learn to go to the secret place, the danger of being caught up in letting people see you and seeing people is you become more and more like them and less and less like him. I'm not here to create disciples of Geo. Be a sad world. We are here to create disciples of Jesus. And for that to happen, you have to see him. It can't even be through my revelation of who Jesus is because he wants to speak something different to you. The way the Lord manifests himself to me is different than Jesse Berkey. And the beautiful part of the body is that you need his revelation as much as you need mine. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people with other religions. They think their prayers are being answered by immediately repeating words. But then he says, when you pray, pray like this. Should be back here. I have faith. It's the size of a mustard seed. Told you, see? It's just delayed faith. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's stop. This is how he teaches Jesus. Mind you, you read through all the Old Testament. Many times when they would pray, they would pray to the God who is the father of Abraham, the father of Moses, the father of on and on and on. And Jesus steps up on the mountain. And he says, now it's our father. And he makes it personal where he's giving us access to something that previously wasn't seen as access. He's allowing us to step into what it looks like to see sonship, not through a lineage. Listen, I'm thankful for lineage and heritage. I'm thankful for it. But he's giving us direct access to our father. He's not describing a father as an earthly father who will fail you. This is a father that is limitless. He never grows tired. He never fails. He is trustworthy. His, he never lacks. You understand? He's introducing us to our, not, he didn't say my father. Our father who is in heaven. It's not just a geographical location. He's explaining to us, this is where he, it is a heavenly realm that is not like this realm. In order for us to truly understand kingdom, Paul talks about setting our minds on things above. That's what it requires. It requires us to step out of what makes sense. And for us to step into his, the, the mind of Christ. You know, remember Paul talks about this? This isn't just like some ideology. This is something that happens to us, Romans 12, that when our minds are transformed, it, it moves from the system of the world to the system of heaven. That's, what, that's the transference that's taking place. We lose that through what? Through Facebook and Netflix. I'm telling you, it's true. The more we feed ourselves, like this week, I felt this. I was like, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to like write down a sermon. I just want to fill myself with this word, and I want to give you like bullets to use. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to give you ammunition. And whatever's supposed to come out, let it come out. 
Like, what would happen if we lived our life that way? Like, Lord, I have no agenda. I just want to give you the tools that you need to work through me. Better yet, I want to allow you to give me the tools I need so that you can work through me. And so our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying your name is holy, like the name that is above every name. Have you forgotten this? I posted, I want to promise you something. When the elections are over, his name is still going to be above every name. It, it is still like it is still going to be above every name, no matter no matter who gets voted in. He's still holy, and he's still in charge, and he's still in, he's still an amazing leader. His leadership is perfect. <laughs> I saw this this week. I stepped into a church on Wednesday, and we went there on assignment. And um, there was so much activity going on. We went there, and there was just some demonic strongholds there. You you believe demons are still real, right? No, you don't believe that anymore. They make movies about it. They even believe in it. And I'm in this church and I'm watching Covington on a guitar, acoustically singing and just walking the sanctuary. There's people praying. There's people screaming. There's just a lot of stuff going on. And I'm sitting in the back of the room and all I can do is laugh. Because as Covington is singing the great I am, I'm seeing the powers of darkness being pushed back. I'm, I'm, I, I can see it. Like, I'm telling you, things that were there for 10 or 11 years were literally being, am I lying, Cheryl? Literally being pushed back as we were just ministering to the Lord. It wasn't hard. Can I just tell you? It's not hard. It's not hard for us to step into an environment full of Holy Spirit because His name is the name above every name. And so we went step in carrying the name Jesus. Every demon, every principality, every spirit that was allowed access, it still has to bow. I'm telling you, it's truth. Why? Because his name is holy. So he begins the prayer with praise. I want you to see this. He didn't begin the prayer with saying, God, we need and the world is this. No. We got to realign our perspective. Our father who is in heaven, you're still there. Your name is still above every name. And he says, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will. Say your will. Or may rule evidence. It's not your will, it's his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning for us to understand the will of God for our lives, we have to understand what's going on up there. Are you hearing me? This is why we go so strongly after things like sickness and depression and lack because it doesn't exist in heaven. Gio, how can you tell me that I'm supposed to live in favor? Because nobody in heaven is lacking. Like, how do you know it's not God's will for me to be sick? Because there's no sickness in heaven. This is simple. How do you know, Gio, that like, that like, I'm not, like, depression, God is not teaching me. He never punishes us to teach us. It's not his character. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching better than I'm getting amens. Okay. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the mandate from heaven. Gio, what am I called to do to establish heaven on earth? How does that happen through you? Well, isn't that what we do on Sundays? Yes. Yeah, we, I believe on Sundays we pull down heaven into earth, but it has to go outside of the walls for it to continue to happen inside of the walls. Do you understand? It has to, there has to be a transference where we catch, we catch what God is doing and we take it out. Then he says this, give us today, in Jesus' name. Ah. It always works. 
Give us this day. Say this day. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to see that God wants you to live in today. Are you alive? I know it's past appreciation. You love us. I know it. I get it. Get it. Give us this day our daily bread. I want to submit to you that this is about a lot more than bread and food. I want to submit to you that Jesus is showing us to pray. Hey, I want to stay present and in the moment. So watch this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now what am I praying for? God, help me to stay in the moment. In a world that always lives either in tomorrow or in the past, this is where the devil wants to keep you. I'm telling you. I, I, I struggle with this because I live very much in the future. I'm always looking out to what's next. And the problem with what's looking out to what's next is we miss the beauty of now. And the Lord is a good steward. So here's what happens. If I'm living in tomorrow and I fail to see the beauty of today, my today will stop being beautiful. Because this life is not about the journey. It's about who's guiding us. We get caught up like, we just want to do great things for God. He does not care about the great things you accomplish if you're not holding hands with him. He doesn't care. I'm telling you the truth. So he says, keep us today, keep us today and give us today our daily bread. We see this with the people of Israel. As they, were, as they were journeying towards their promised land, God would provide for them manna for what day? Today. For today. If they would try to keep today's manna for tomorrow, what would happen to the manna? It would rot every time. The only time it was preserved was when? When they stepped in the Sabbath. And so in a prophetic sense, I want to say to you, I want you to understand that there is fresh encounters. There is fresh anointing available for you every day. That you would begin to believe God. God, I, I want what you have for me today. I don't want to live in the past. Many of us were trapped in the past. We're living in bitterness and resentment. And what God is wanting for us is to live in the today, to dream with him today. And to, and to not, listen, to not, and I, I'm going to show you, he says it, to not, to not worry about tomorrow. But let me finish this. And forgive our sins. And forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Letting go of both the wrong and the right and the resentment. Did you hear what that said? I'm going to read it to you again. In my Bible. And forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Meaning, to the standard by which I forgive, I will be forgiven. Man, I feel heavy. I believe one of the reasons we see so much sickness and lack, backbiting and bitterness in the church is because we lack forgiveness. Every time we hold someone as judge, every time we judge someone, we stand as judge. Very quiet. But as we stood at that church on Wednesday, we were in a circle, and I saw, I saw, I saw <laughs> Kathy Rockamore was standing there. She says, I believe we need to forgive one another. There's like, what, 20 people there? And the whole room goes like this. Because it's a stronghold in the church. We think when people hurt us or when they offend us that we keep them captive by holding that against them. But what really happens is we end up shackling ourselves. 
And the end result of harboring bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment is we stop the flow of God from happening in our life. We become, we become enslaved and it's bondage. That's why Jesus says to us, if you have aught with your brother and you're on the way to present your offering, what should you do? Leave the offering? Like what, Jesus? You don't want me? No, he doesn't. He wants you to leave your offering there, go to the person and be what? Reconciled to them. He didn't mention who was right or wrong in the situation. It's irrelevant. The ministry of Jesus is reconciliation. So what we need, listen, as we learn to for quickly forgive, some of the closest people in my life, the reason I love them is because they are quick to resolve the conflict to bury it so that we can truly move forward as kingdom brothers and sisters. I cannot love you and hold all against you. Can't do it. So can I just give you like a real life example? We would be in Mexico and we would go do like these, uh, we would call them Noche de Fuegos, uh, a night of fire. And we would go to all these places and we would preach. And a lot of times I would preach not even on unforgiveness. I would just preach on revival, the Welsh revival, Hebrews revival, all these different ones. And at the end of the service, people would come up to get prayed for that were sick. I want to say, what do you think, 80% of the time? 80% of the times we would pray for people that were like back pain, blind. We would walk them through forgiveness. And by the end of the prayer, they were already healed. I'm telling you. There's a spiritual tie there where when, when we harbor unforgiveness. I wasn't even going to talk about this that long, but I think it's important right now. When we harbor unforgiveness, we give the enemy a place in our heart to plant seed. And when we begin to allow that to happen, we begin to look at that person through the lens of our offense. (laughs) Can I go here, bro? We begin to create imaginations about the person. Well, they said this because of this. Well, they did that because of this. That person is just living their life. I want to let you know they're just living their life. They stopped thinking about that offense like 1999. And here you are walking with your back pain. I don't know why the Lord, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all sickness is tied to that. I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I'm saying is I believe, how will the Bible know that they are my disciples? By the way, they love one another. I cannot judge something and love it. It's impossible. This is the problem that I have. Listen, I'm not a political person. The reason I have been talking about it so much, God bless whoever you vote for. I love you. I love you the same. The problem I have for it is the church is being missed. You are misrepresenting Jesus because he died for Trump and he died for Biden. He loved them. But what, what about what he did? Let me read something to you. Let me read something to you. Can I do it? Chapter 7 says this, do not, say do not, do not not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? This is the issue I have with the political climate right now. That, That we're so busy looking to condemn We're so busy looking to put down, we're not seeing through heaven's perspective. And when the, listen, when the, when the world sees the body of Christ doing this, they do not want your Jesus. 
trying to help you. What is it going to take for us to see wholeness? It's going to take us. What Tyler prayed earlier, God, I don't have time to look at other people because I'm looking at you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I do not even try to speak into somebody's life unless I know in my heart that I have true love for them. Well, what about correction? It's Listen, I want to promise you, here's what, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The Holy Spirit is good enough to do his job. He hasn't lost power. Is it my job to convict the world or is it his? Like, what does your Bible say? It's his job to convict the world. So what do I need to do? I need to find myself in a place of love. If I have offense in my heart towards Tyler, I'm not going to go to Tyler unless it is to resolve the offense. I'm not coming with my preconceived idea of why he did. I'm just going to say, Tyler, I love you. I don't know what's going on with the relationship, but I want it fixed. So I'm sorry. Well, what if I didn't do anything wrong? That's irrelevant. I'm sorry. You see, that? see how easy that is? <laughs> I'm helping us today. We're getting like super practical. I'm sorry. There have been many times since we've been leaders here where things have happened. And we have apologized even when we weren't wrong. And it, it, it caused a bridge. We're more, we are more worried about being right than fixing the relationship. And so what we need to do is, so, so what, what is Jesus doing? He speaks to us. He says this, give us today the food we need and forgive us as we have forgiven those who sin against us and do not let us yield into temptation, but rescue us. No, that's not it. The issue is I don't have it in the NLT. Can you hear me now? It's Matthew 5. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. See how that works? It's practical application. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's not her fault. We just put a piece of plexiglass up and it's a struggle. For yours is the kingdom and the power forever. Amen and amen. I knew it. I don't know why I didn't say it. So, so he starts with praise. Can I give you, can I give you what he's doing here? here? Here's the Lord's prayer structure. He begins with praise. Then he goes into four petitions. I want you to see this. You should write it down. He gives you praise. Then he petitions this. This is what he prays for. He prays for God's kingdom and will, first and foremost. He prays for daily providence. Like, God, give me today what I need for today. Give me a grace for that. He prays for forgiveness and healing for unforgiveness. And then he prays for this. He prays for petition for protection from sin and from the evil one. And then he seals the whole thing with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power forever. Amen. He redirects everything. He starts it with praise and he ends it with praise. Because that's what it takes. It has to start with Jesus and it has to end with Jesus. Do you understand? I want to submit to you. That many times we're asking to be delivered from stuff that Jesus is trying to use to, to help us enter into a new season of life. So like you see in the life of Jesus, some of those, so before he stepped into full-time ministry, what happened? The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness and he was tempted for what? For 40 days. Another time we see Jesus being, 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 being tempted and what was the next thing that happened? He, he had the bounce of transfiguration. Even before, even before he went to Calvary, he was once again tempted. I want to say this. We need to ask God to deliver us from temptation, not just keep us away from it. 
Do you understand, do you understand the difference? There's something about walking through difficult. So, so David says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, he didn't say, thank you for keeping me from the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I had no fear for you are. The revelation of knowing God is with you comes from walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There is something that is produced in us that we could only understand, only receive in the valleys. So what, like what? They will be judged by their fruit. I want to let you know fruit doesn't grow on the top of a mountain. I know it's hard. Like, no, I just want to stay up there forever. No. Allow God to take you and walk. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I want, to, I want to challenge you this week to read the Lord's Prayer in Psalms 23 and realize how they are one. David starts the prayer, the, Our Father who are in heaven, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. <laughs> he, he makes me lie on green pastures. I want to cry. Whew. Wow. Let me stop. What time is it? I got to stop. Is this okay? So Jesus teaches us to not, store, to not put our faith in things and to forgive it. Then he reaffirms it. Don't store up your treasures. This is verse, chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures on earth where moths will eat them and destroy them and where thieves break in. Store up your treasures in heaven. Then he says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your, your emotions, who you are. We say this all the time. God has given us a key. Through stewarding what he has given us, he has given us the ability to redirect our hearts. You understand this? A lot of us, finances is a big thing. I believe this. The reason me and my wife, we give away 20% of what comes to us is because we believe it keeps us grounded in the heart of Jesus. If, my, if where my treasure is, my heart will be, then I want all of that to be towards him. Does that make sense? I got to read one more thing. Oh. Then he ends this, he talks about judgment. I'm going to have to hit this next week again. Matthew 7, 7, he says, this is how you effectively pray. Ask and keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I want to say to you that we, we, we have overcomplicated Christianity. We've painted this image of this God that is like, We've painted a picture of him like he doesn't want to be found. Like he's given us all these commands and they're impossible. And I've just come to the place in my life where if it's in this Bible, like if it's in this Bible, if Jesus says that I can forgive those who have trespassed, what does that mean? Another word for debts means to trespass. It means people who have entered into a place they do not belong. Yeah. It's like they're... When somebody violates you emotionally, they have entered into a place in your heart that they do not belong. What is required? I forgive you for entering into a place you do not belong. Oh, uh, we got to dig into Hey, can I, get, can I get some music? Where's Covey? Somebody. Anthony. Anybody. Oh, there you are. 
You never sit on that side. <laughs> Thank you, friend. You know what? I want to pray. I want to pray this morning for forgiveness. Can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, it's like I got lots of people to forgive. <laughs> it's because she knows the power of forgiveness. I was talking to her yesterday, and she was talking about the freedom. Yeah, how beautiful was it? We were talking yesterday in that room over there, and she was saying, "I will not allow anyone to put a yoke on me that Jesus freed me from. Wow. I want to live free." And I believe this is what Jesus wants for you right now. I, I don't, I, this may be for one person. But as I was talking about forgiveness today, I want to say this. The, the, more, the more personal Jesus becomes to you, the more powerful he'll become to you. Jesus has to move from an ideology and a good thought or an image of a good leader to a real person that w- wants to walk into your heart and bring wholeness to you. So like, hey, can we turn the stream off? Can you turn the stream off, bro? I don't care who does it. Can I give you an example? I just want to turn the stream off. I gave my life to Jesus in, in 2008. Can you let me know when we're good? I feel the Lord. It's the music. Oh, you feel that? 